Don't worry, you ain't going to get cooties from somebody. You'll be all right. Amen? Well, our weekend service coming up next weekend is Friday night. It's going to be at 6.30, and you're not going to want to miss it. Uh, we have a special surprise for you that does involve the children and Pastor Megan, and we're going to have communion, and we're going to sing Christmas songs, and I've got a message uh, that I think is going to bless you. This is going to be a great time next Friday night. That'll be, instead of Sunday, we'll not be in here Christmas Day. Uh, we'll do Friday night service, and then the next week after that, January 1st, we will be back in here at normal time, unless the good Lord gives us a building between now and then. <laughs> In which case, we will blast it from the heavens on channel 5 and 9 and 2 and every other news channel where we're going to be, and we'll see you there. Otherwise, we'll be back here. Amen? And I promise you, we'll, if I have to send carrier pigeon, we're going to let you know where we're going. Amen? But um, we're, we'll, January 1st, what a great opportunity this year to worship God on the first day of the year. And we were talking about God first, and actually, that's the series I'm rolling out in January, God first. And so on the first day of the year, we're going to come in here and worship and have a great time. Praise the name of the Lord. Well, I do not have a Christmas message just yet. I'm going to finish up the series on missions, and, um, and I'll, I will do a Christmas message next week. But I was, I was totally going to name this something different, and, uh, and I was praying about it Friday, and the Lord gave me the name. It's one of the few times, you know, you fish around for different names of messages and uh, but this one, this one didn't more than just speak a title to a message. I felt like it was very prophetic. And I felt like the Lord told me Friday is harvest time. Amen. 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 It's harvest time. Well, about five of you are excited about that. I'm excited about that. It's harvest time. Amen. And uh, I've got a very different type message for you today. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Uh, the text is gonna be in Ezekiel chapter 47. And uh, while you're turning there, it'll be on the screens behind me. Ezekiel 47, and uh, we're we're gonna read verses 8 through 10. And uh, if you want to stand, you can for the reading of God's word. It'll just be a few verses. Uh, this chapter is very familiar if you've been in church long. Uh, it's about the river that goes out from the throne of God. First it's ankle deep, then knee deep, then waist deep, and then over the head. But I want to focus on verses 8 through 10 because I feel like it's prophetic for our church. Um, and he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah. That's the desert. And it enters the sea. That's the Dead Sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish. Now, I know he's talking here prophetically about the future and the day that's coming when naturally the Dead Sea is going to come to life. But, but I really felt like this was a passage for our church and that what was formerly seen to be dead is going to teem with life again. And there's going to be very many fish which speaks of souls and people that are going to come to know the Lord. What once seemed dormant is now going to be alive and fresh and full of different kinds of people. But this water goes there that the waters of the sea may become fresh so everything will live where the river goes. That's everything that touches your life. When the river of the Holy Spirit touches your finances, it's going to live. 
When the river of the Holy Spirit touches your grandkids, they're going to come back to the Lord. When the river of the Holy Spirit touches your body, it's going to be healed. When the river of the Holy Spirit flows in our church, we're going to see very many souls come in. Somebody shout a good amen. Fishermen will stand beside the sea from in Getty to in Anglium. It will be a place, watch this, it will be a place. Bridge of Hope will be a place for the spreading of nets. What do you do with nets? You catch fish. It's going to be a place of spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds. We're going to have Asian fish and white fish and black fish. And Indian fish, and European fish, and Asian fish, and African fish, and South American fish, and North American fish, and Australian fish, and I'm even praying for Antarctic fish. I want all seven continents. Can somebody say amen? amen? Like the fish of the great sea. Man, glory to God. Now, I know that is a natural passage there about a prophetic word that's going to happen in the future naturally to the Dead Sea. But I believe it's a word for us today. I want you just to bow your heads and close your eyes and let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the beautiful Christmas music and the children full of life and learning the gospel and to sing the beautiful songs of Jesus. We will praise your name forever one day, God. Well, now and every day until the, all of eternity. And I pray, God, for the next few moments you anoint me to speak forth your word, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. Speak to us, God, and let us believe, Father God, that it is harvest time. I pray, Lord God, let this seed fall in the good soul of our hearts and grow bear forth fruit in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Hold, your, hold your phones or Bibles or however you got the word up. And I want you to declare boldly, Heavenly Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only. Deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears. Anoint my heart. Anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen. High five two or three people as you're being seated and say it's harvest time. <laughs> Come on, shout to somebody next to you. Say it's harvest time. I'm going to get right into this day. Point number one is simply this. God can make it rain for you. <laughs> God can make it rain for you. Belinda DeLapp, God can make it rain for you. Greg Wilson, God can make it rain for you. <laughs> Dallas Howard, Bridge of Hope, God can make it rain for you. Did you know that God can make it rain for you in the middle of a desert? An unusual thing happened several years ago. A headline in the UK's Daily Mail, dated March the 2nd, 2010, states this. Residents stunned as hundreds of fish fall out of the sky over remote Australian desert town. Late in the article, it reported that hundreds of spangled perch bombarded the 650 residents of Laja Manu, Australia, in the outback. A local resident was walking home when the strange weather started, and he said these fish fell by the hundreds all over the place. The locals were running around everywhere picking them up. 
It seemed like suddenly there was a cloud in the sky. But the cloud didn't just bring rain. It rained fish. The amazing part about this story is, Lajah Manu, Australia, is in the deep desert outback 500 miles from the nearest coastline. Where did the fish come from? Well, the scientists and meteorologists believe, as they studied it and they surmised, that a tornado or a water spout or some kind of whirlwind went over a large body of water and sucked the fish up into the air, into the clouds, in the atmosphere, where, as you know, the further up you go, the colder it gets. If you're ever on an airplane and, and it has a visual of the temperature, it's usually below zero when you're way up there. And up in them clouds, they think that the fish froze. And then a strong wind blew the cloud with the fish 500 miles. Now, 500 miles, I did a little research. Did you know within 500 miles is Washington, D.C.? From us right here, Atlanta, Georgia, Charlotte, North Carolina, Birmingham, Alabama, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I mean, the list could go on. That's a long ways for fish to fly in there. This is a documented story that happened. And they believe that when it got over the desert warm region of the outback there around Laja Manu, that the warm air thawed the fish out, the fish literally came Back to life, I guess they never died in the air. They just sort of froze alive. <laughs> when they thawed out, they started falling out of the sky. So much so, it took the residents of Elijah Manu seven days to capture them all, to get them all off the ground. They were flopping around, still alive. It literally rained fish in the middle of a desert 500 miles from the closest coastline. I decree and declare that we're about to enter a season of harvest everywhere. And God's going to rain down spiritual fish for our church from everywhere. And we'll sit around and wonder where did they all come from? Where have they all been? It seems like we've been out here in the middle of nowhere and I don't know where they all came from, but glory to God, they came. Somebody say amen. In Ezekiel 47, as we said, it's actually a prophecy about something that's going to happen in the future. The Dead Sea is dead. There's nothing alive in there. The average ocean is about 3.5% salient or salty. The Dead Sea is between 30 and 35% salt. It's 10 times what a normal ocean is. And, and, and the Dead Sea has nothing living in it. I've, I've swam or really floated in it four times in my life. And my two greatest Dead Sea memories are Lieutenant Colonel Steve and Pat Lawrence when they got in there floating around. They giggled and cackled like four-year-olds the entire time they were in that water. I laughed and cackled with them. I mean, Lieutenant Colonel, 34-year-old Army guy, was out there laughing like a three-year-old. <laughs> oh, they didn't know I was going to do this. I still love you, Brother Steve. Praise God. And then the most recent trip, we saw Dale Andrews get stuck in a hole, and then Todd got stuck in the same hole with him. This ain't good. Tracy and I are floating out in the deep end, and I looked at Tracy, and he looked at me, and we said, we better go help him, because they ain't moving. We got Dale out of the mud, and he got stuck again. I said, listen, you can't sink in this. Lay out flat like a canoe, and I'm going to float you out of here. <laughs> and that's what we did. Praise God. Dale Andrews isn't here to hear that. We love you, Pastor Dale. 
Fish and fishermen are a portrayal of the church in the world, right? Fishermen stand and they are in a boat or on the shore and they catch fish. We in the church are supposed to catch souls. The lost world is a type of fish because Jesus used the analogy of fishing. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 19 says, Now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, I love this, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You're going to catch souls. Somebody say amen. You're going to catch people in the gospel net. Poke your neighbor and say it's time we catch people in the gospel net. I mean, 2,000 years later, he is still telling us today he wants to make us fishers of men. Now, I've got all kinds of fishing stories I can tell you. I grew up on the water. I grew up on a canal where I, I fished almost every day of my life as a kid. I know how to catch them. I know what they look like. I know how to do things the right way. But my favorite fisher story is when we went out to, uh, to see my dad, and we went out in the Everglades with a friend of his on the airboat. And we got out there, and he blew a piston in the, in the engine. Well, that caused the airboat to not be able to move anywhere. So now we're out in the Everglades, and there are gators and snakes and all kinds of stuff around us. I'm used to it, been around there, grew up around it. He calls somebody, come get the boat, come get us out of here. Well, you know, that's going to be an hour or two. So here we are stuck, and I can see in Mama Bear, Holly's eyes, she ain't happy. And this ain't good. And the kids ain't really that old. I mean, we're, we're, this has been a number of years ago. And so we're sitting there. Well, as we're sitting there on this airboat waiting, this little five, six-foot alligator comes up to the airboat. Well, it's just a little five, six-foot airboat. I mean, uh, alligator. We used to swim with them. As long as they didn't get too much bigger than that, they can't really hurt you. Well, Holly didn't like that idea. She went from the platform of the airboat up into the first seat and then up into the captain's chair. Well, Brad was walking around the airboat and tripped and fell backwards into the water. His feet are stuck on the airboat. His back and body is in the water on this side. That little six-foot alligator is on this side. And by this point, Holly starts screaming, he's going to eat him. He's going to eat him. To which Brad is hollering from the water, he ain't going to eat me, just get me in the boat. <laughs> so I'm going down there to help him out, and she's going, he's going to, he's moving, he's going to eat him, he's going to eat him. And I look up, and she has all three kids in her arms as high in the top of that airboat as you can possibly get. That gator was not going to get our babies. So we got through that little tragedy, and we're sitting around, and Haley decides, she says, well, we got this little fishing rod and this little, you know, string, and we got a hook, but we don't have no bait. So we got bait right here in these lily pads. Well, the lily pad is the stem comes up if there's a hole in the top because worms got down in there. I said, watch this. We peeled it back and gave her a worm. Oh, that was it. She started peeling them all back, and she's, now, mind you, she's a little girl at this point in time, and my dad liked to flip his rocker. She started putting worms in her pocket. She's getting out of Haley's, loading her pockets with worms. And my dad's going, oh, my granddaughter's got worms in her pocket. I mean, she's loading them up. Well, she puts the worm on the hook. As soon as it hits the water, a brim comes up and pops it. So we pull that brim up. I said, hey, watch this. I knew what I was getting ready to do, but they, had, they, weren't, around, they weren't raised around this, so they didn't know. 
And I said, watch this. And I walked over by the edge of the airboat. That little gator sitting right there. And I just tossed that fish. And when I did, he popped that thing right in the air. Do it again, Dad. Do it again. <laughs> then she would throw one. I mean, we probably fed that gator six or seven or eight brims. She was having the time of her life feeding that alligator. And yes, they finally came with a boat and rescued us. And Holly was happy and said, never again. <laughs> God can make it rain on you and we can catch fish. Amen. Even when the airboat's stuck and it seems like all is lost. Even when it seems like there's no Rehoboth. There's one coming, and it's going to rain some fish. Amen. Point number two is this. God can make it rain anywhere you are. Not only can God make it rain for you. Point number two, I want you to say it with me. God can make it rain anywhere you are. Do you believe that? It's not a matter of where we are when God sends our harvest. When God sends, when he's ready to send our harvest, and he's ready to make it rain, it doesn't matter where we are. God's going to send them. Amen. And then for your life personally, you can be on what you think is a dead-end job. And you think, man, this is going nowhere. God can make it rain where you are. The boss may even say to you, I have no idea why I'm giving you a promotion and a raise, but I am. Somebody just told me recently that they got a promotion and raise they were not expecting. $6 an hour. That's $240 a week. That's over $1,000 a month. That's a nice surprise getting called into the boss's office. Amen. I want to tell you, God can make it rain even when the boss doesn't see how it can be possible. If God says it's your season, then it's your time. Even if that was to mean that we're in Harrison at 3 o'clock on Sundays. Even if the promotion and the raise at work seems absolutely hopeless. Even if it seems like your little Johnny is running so fast the other way that there's no turning them around. I want to tell you, when God makes it rain, he'll make it rain fast. Somebody shout amen. Even if you don't see the answer or you don't see the road that's going to lead you to the desired destination. Like the song we sing in Waymaker. He is working behind the scenes and he is working when you can't even tell that he's working. He knows how to make it rain in the middle of your desert. Maybe they're not catching fish on the coastline, but you'll be catching them in your desert. Somebody shout amen. Coworkers might even ask you, how is this even possible? How are you doing this? Friends and family might even say, I've never seen a person, I've never seen a child turn their life so quickly back to God. The doctors might even say to you, I've never seen anyone recover this quickly from this ailment. Perhaps other pastors will look at us at camp meetings and other events like that and say, I've never seen God do what he did for Bridge of Hope Church. Man, somebody say amen. Luke 5, 4, Jesus said this. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, Simon Peter, professional fisherman, I'm not going to go into the long detail. Pastor Williams did a great job with this passage. But you know the story. You know, fishermen fish, see a galley at night, not in the day, in the shallow water, not the deep. I mean, everything was backwards from what it's supposed to be. Simon Peter is probably thinking, look, Jesus, I mean, I know you're Jesus and all, but you are a carpenter <laughs> and a rabbi. I'm the fisherman here. I think I know how fishing works on the Sea of Galilee. 
But in verse 5, the next verse, he, Simon answers and says, Master, we toiled all night and caught nothing. In other words, um, I don't know what you're trying to get us to do, but nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to let down the net. We'll drop the net. And as soon as the net hit the water, the fish just swam right to it, so much that it began to almost break. I love it because it's a great picture of us. Simon Peter had tried everything he knew to do. He used all of his intelligence. He used all of his talents. He used all of his experience in his job. He did everything he knew humanly possible. He fished at the right time of day at night. He fished in the shallow waters. He had his business up and running. The nets, everything was the way it was. And yet Jesus is now telling them, okay, you've tried it in your strength. You've tried it in your abilities. You've tried it with what your expertise is. Now I want you to do something that you would normally never do. I want you to cast out into the deep part of the Sea of Galilee during the day when it seems like nobody's going to catch no fish. I want you to go beyond what you're capable of, and I want you to trust me. And all God is asking us to do is drop some nets. My, 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 my. God is saying in 2023, if you'll just drop some nets of outreach and drop some nets of evangelism, I'll cause the fish to come to you. You drop where I tell you, I'll send the fish. Somebody say amen. I'm about to preach somebody myself happy here, and I need to do that. I want to tell you, we'll drop some nets, and God will send the fish. They had to call the other ships in the region. We can't handle them all. Help us. There's so many fish. The boats began to sink. I mean, it was a, it was a harvest. That will be like what it's like in your, in your life. When you get so much blessing and harvest in your life, you can't, don't even know what to keep up with them. What will it be like when your spouse gets saved and they start out running you to the prayer closet? What will it be like when your child who's way out there not living right, all of a sudden catches fire, gets filled with the Holy Spirit, and now they're leading you in fasting and praying. You can't even keep up with them no more. Oh, I believe it can happen. What will it be like when a church harvest is so big, we don't know what to do with them all? I told you one church, 18,000 people saved in their doors in three months. What would we do with 18,000 people? What would we do with 180 people? Yes, love on them, but we need a lot of lovers. Amen. I mean, frankly, what would we do with 18 new salvations right now? Are you ready to disciple them? Because the harvest is coming. We got to reach our world and we need to drop our nets. We need to drop our nets. Here's something that I caught. I, I've never in my life seen this before. And I think it speaks to us if we're not careful. Luke chapter 5, verse 4 through 5. Watch this. When he had stopped speaking, now I've already read these two verses, but I want you to watch what's underlined here. He said, Jesus said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Everybody say nets. That's plural. For a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we told all night, caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Jesus said, I got a harvest. I need some nets. Let down your nets. Plural. I got a big harvest coming. 
Peter says, all right, I'll let down one net. Peter had one net faith. He could believe for one little miracle. He could believe for one person come get saved. He could believe for one person to get their breakthrough. Jesus said, I, I got something else in mind. Not one, thousands. Thousands healed. Thousands saved. Thousands lives transformed. I, I've got a serious question for you today. What kind of faith are you walking in? Net faith or net's faith? What kind of faith do you want? I heard somebody even say, well, if would God just give us a little shack and a few parking places, I'll be happy with that church. I won't. God told me we have a Rehoboth. That's wide open places. Because God wants to send a big harvest. Somebody say amen. Could it be that they could have caught every fish in the Sea of Galilee had they had enough nets? I believe the answer is yes. One thing I am very certain on, that many nets as they cast, they'd have filled them up with fish. God said, you only get one net of blessing because that's all you could believe me for. I already told you let down nets, but all you could believe was net. I want to tell you, we got to believe God bigger. We need to stop limiting God and what God wants to do and let down our nets. We need more nets. We need more ships. Somebody say amen. Because God knows how to get the fish and the harvest to us if we'll just throw the nets out and trust him. Will we throw a net out so that people can be saved? If we're willing to get out there and throw nets of outreach, like I preached last Sunday, and nets of evangelism, I believe God will send the fish to those nets and we'll see them saved. Could it be that you throw out nets of prayer and intercession and God will send the fish? Could it be God is dealing with you to start a small group and you think, well, I don't know anybody. Nobody's going to want to come to my house and who am I? I want to tell you if you'll just open that house up and you'll trust God and believe God and throw some nets. Maybe your next door neighbor, maybe your co-worker like with Brian and Beth Whitaker will come and get saved and her son got saved and two people came to know Jesus because he opened his house and said come on in and we're going to share the gospel will you be willing to spread your nets in 2023 there's a harvest coming it's harvest time I said it's harvest time Will you cast the nets and just trust Jesus to bring the fish? You don't have to fish. You just throw the net where God says throw it and God will send them. Woo! Could it be that the very people you're praying for aren't coming and getting saved because you ain't got the net out to catch them? If God's going to give us our Rehoboth, and he will, he's going to put us in a community that is ready to be fished. God's not going to put us in an overfished pond. He's going to put us in a pond and he ain't been fished in a long time. And there's all kinds of fish going to be there. Somebody say amen. Here's the problem is that we want clean nets. I believe this was Peter's problem. Man, we've worked all night long. And do you know how long it takes to clean the nets? And now you want me to throw nets back out there? 
I don't feel like cleaning them again because they ain't going to catch nothing anyways. I'll throw one. I really believe that was his thinking. I, I believe he thought, why bother? You ain't going to catch no fish. Why am I doing this? Sometimes what God tells you to do doesn't make sense. Perhaps you're here today and you're thinking, why pray about my situation any longer? The more I pray, the less it seems to get answered. Can we just get real? Maybe, maybe you're in here and you say, why, why, am I, why do I even keep coming to church anymore? I mean, nothing in my life gets better. Seems like the more I pray and go after God, the, the worse things happen. Maybe you're in here and the sound of my voice and you just feel like you're going from one disappointment to another. It's not that you're mad at God. It's just like, you know, does everything always have to go wrong? Why keep worshiping God? My problems just get worse. I worship God. I go after God and everything gets worse. Why, why, why? I believe that was Peter. When you start casting a net, it's going to get dirty and messy and all that other stuff. But I want to tell you, they caught, the Bible says they caught all kinds of fish. Everybody say all kinds. There will be all kinds of fish we're going to catch in this church. There's going to be fish that are business executives. And they're going to come in and have it all together or they think they will. Society's going to think they will. Listen, the Lord's already showed me. We're going to reach ball players. There's going to be high-profile ball players coming. And we're going to, oh, man, oh, look who is so-and-so worshiping in our church. There's going to be other people that are absolute alcoholics and have been for decades. There's going to be drug addicts come through the doors. There's going to be former ex-prostitutes come in the door. There's going to be the dirty. There's going to be the clean. There's going to be, the, there's going to be all kinds. Somebody say amen. There's going to be all kinds of fish. There's all kinds of messes out there. And our church, we're just going to love on them and welcome them in. Somebody say amen. amen. Everybody's welcome. John 21, 11, Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of large fish. This was at the end of the, the, the gospel of John when Jesus has been resurrected and he's about to ascend. And he draws 153 fish, although there were so many, the net was not torn. You know, the Bible never throws stuff in there just because. Why is he so exact on 153? Because in Luke 5, he didn't put a number on it. He just said they caught a very many great fish. Why did he put 153? Well, theologians and historians believe in those days during Jesus and the disciples, there was 153 different types of fish in the Sea of Galilee. And, I be- and the disciples knew that. They were fishermen. I believe God said we're going to have one of every kind of fish in this net. And I believe that is exactly what God is going to do with us. With Simon Peter and the disciples, there were skinny fish. There were fat fish. There were colorful fish. There were pale fish. There were bottom dwellers and there were top feeders. And there was every kind of fish that the Sea of Galilee had. I want to tell you, we're going to reach different types of people that are going to be different colors. We're going to reach different cultures. We're going to reach different shapes and different sizes. Everyone is going to be welcome at Bridge of Hope Church because Jesus died for everyone. Somebody say amen. Can you say amen to that? I want a church that looks like that. 
I've been praying for a long time. God, on this stage, we want blacks and whites and Hispanics and Asians and Indians and Europeans. We want a melting pot up here, a melting pot out there. I want everybody who lives in Cincinnati to know they can come here because there's someone like them here and they can receive Jesus Christ. Woo! Somebody say amen. Holly had an appointment with a Hindu the other day, and the whole hour she got to share Jesus. The lady kept asking questions over and over and over, and she just kept giving her the gospel. When Holly left the appointment, she said, I feel so good inside. She said, that's because you feel the presence of Almighty God. Praise God, bring the Hindus in. Bring the Muslims in. Bring the Buddhists in. Bring the lost in. Bring the sinners in. Bring the religious in. Bring the Jews in. Bring them all in, God. We want to harvest. It's harvest time. Woo! And we sometimes forget how mighty and how powerful our God is. It's so easy to be Elijah Manu and be out there in the desert and it ain't rained in a year and there ain't no fish within 500 miles and think, man, what can happen? And all of a sudden, man, God just starts raining fish. We get so easily distracted with little things. We find ourselves thinking, what am I going to do if he doesn't provide? What am I going to do if he doesn't make a way? What am I going to do if we take over that building and we can't make the payment? What if the community won't accept us? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to trust God. I said I'm going to trust God. I'm going to drop the nets where he says drop them. I'm going to walk in our Rehoboth wherever he has for us. And we're going to trust God. I don't know if they still do it, but the New York or uh, the Los Angeles Police Department used to test bulletproof vests. They would put them on a mannequin and bring in the rookies. And they'd light it up, man. They'd shoot that mannequin up. And then after several rounds, they'd take the vest off and they'd shoot. Look, there ain't no holes in the mannequins. 100% worked. Man, the rookies are going, yeah, that's great. And then they go and they take that vest. Okay, which one of you wants to put one on now? <laughs> well, we don't trust it that much. <laughs> we just saw it with our eyes, but we don't trust that much. Isn't that the way we are? God can do a miracle for us on Sunday and by Tuesday. We no longer trust him. God can come through on a bill here on Tuesday, and then by Thursday we get a bad report, and all of a sudden it's doom, gloom, and despair, and God can't. He's going to die again. Aren't we that way, human beings? Point number three, last point, is God can cause the wind to blow in your direction. God can make it rain on you. God can make it rain anywhere for you. And God can cause the wind to blow in your direction. I'm going to say that one more time. Matter of fact, I want you to poke your neighbor and say, God can cause the wind to blow in your direction. Ooh, God knows how to get the fish wherever there is willing, someone willing to throw a net. Some of you may be in a desert financially, physically, emotionally, maybe here today spiritually. How many of you would like for it to rain blessing right in the middle of your desert right now? How many of you would like for God to rain down peace? In the midst of your desert of anxiety. How many of you would like for God to rain down joy 
right in the midst of your desert of depression, to rain down finances in the middle of your desert lack, to rain down hope in the middle of your desert hopelessness, to rain down rest in the middle of your desert restlessness. I could just go on and on and on. But you don't understand. We don't even have nets. All I got's a line and a hook. Well, I got good news for you. Jesus had an answer for that too. Matthew 17, 27. However, so that we do not offend them, go to the sea and throw a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for you and me. Peter had a need. He had a tax bill due and no money. And God said, I tell you what, we're going to give you something strange to do. Peter always got the strange assignments. He's like, really? I got to go throw a hook in there? And I'm going to find a fish with enough money to pay my tax bill and yours? Maybe God's given you strange instructions. And maybe you haven't gotten the need because you haven't followed them. Peter went and caught a fish, had the resources in its mouth. Even if you are in a desert financially, God is your source. Listen, your job is your resource, and God reserves the right to change and alter that resource anytime he wants. But make no mistake, the job's not the source. God Almighty is the source. Somebody say amen. There's something else to be learned about this. He didn't say go find money on the shore. Uh Uh-uh. He said go fish and find a harvest and the harvest will have money in its mouth. We cannot be about raising money. What we are about is winning souls. And those souls will bring tithes and offerings and take care of it all. Somebody say amen. Just when you think you're so far from God and your need is so far from God, God can change things and make it rain in the middle of a desert. He can cause the wind to blow in your direction. Wind represents the Holy Spirit blowing in your life. John chapter 3. Wind is associated with the moving of the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. The Lord led me to something here. Because the prophecy that came was, you're about to have a Red Sea experience. So I started looking at that. And anytime you find wind blowing in the Bible, especially when good things are happening, it represents the Holy Spirit. John 3 is clear on that. Exodus 14, 21, watch this. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord swept by the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land so the waters were divided. It was a strong wind that blew 500 miles fish in the air and dropped them over a desert town. It will be a strong wind of the Holy Spirit That will blow what is causing us to be on one side of the Red Sea from our Rehoboth to the other. On one side of the harvest to the other. God's about through the power of the Holy Spirit to blow and part those Red Sea waters. He's about to blow and part what is the obstacle in our way. And we're going to walk through on dry land. We're going to walk into our community. We're going to walk into our Rehoboth. And we will see a harvest of souls. And we will know it was God, the Holy Spirit. Exodus 15, 8 says it this way. At the blast of your nostrils. You know what seems impossible to us, God just says. What is that? That is nothing to God. 
It didn't say God took a deep breath and blew. It didn't say he waved his arms. He just said, hey, let me just blow my nose real quick. And when I blow my nose, when God blows his nose like that, the blast of his nostrils, you go through on dry land. You walk through to your freedom land. You walk through to your miracle and your enemies drown behind you. Man, somebody say amen. amen. Numbers eleven thirty one. How many want to harvest? Now there went forth a, everybody shout wind. A wind from where? Remember, wind represents the Holy Spirit. And it brought quail from the sea, and it let them fall beside the camp. That's like the fish story. About a day's journey on this side and a day's journey on the other side, all around the camp, about two cubits or three feet deep at the surface of the ground. A day's journey in any direction had so many birds, they were three feet deep. I mean, you had to wade through them. That is a huge harvest. Listen, they said we're could God send, um, you know, uh, I forget what the number is, all these cows that we could all eat? Are you kidding me? How can God do this? God said, oh, you just don't even know. Let me get the Holy Ghost in there, and I'll cause the wind to blow, and I'll blow them so deep, you won't you get so sick of them, you won't even know what to do with them. Listen, I don't know what you're believing for, but the Holy Spirit can blow your miracle right into your camp. When they least expected it, they had so much blessing and so much harvest, they didn't even know what to do with it all. I want to tell you the Holy Spirit will blow us right into our Rehoboth. He'll blow us right into our harvest. He's going to blow fish right into this place. Are we ready to disciple them? God can blow fish 500 miles to a desert town. He can take business from way over there where the heathen are and blow it all the way over here where your business is and bless you. Ooh, somebody say amen. God can blow the enemy off our property and blow us into our property. Woo! God can blow a harvest of fish to our church and he's about to his harvest time. He's not limited because you're in a desert. He's not limited because we're out here. Do you need a supernatural miracle from God? Do you need God to set you free from something that's destroying your life? Do you have money issues that are just too great for you? Is your desire to be in the center of God's will and you feel like you're a thousand miles from his blessing? I believe a harvest is coming like we've never seen. We just got to believe. Get involved in what God tells you to do. Drop your nets. Don't just be a Sunday attender. Figure out how to get a net out there and catch some fish. Maybe lead a small group. For sure be part of one. Join the dream team party. The dream team of people that serve God in some capacity. Do something. Poke your neighbor and say, do something. Let me close with this illustration. Many churches today are laboring crew trying to gather a harvest while they sit in the tool shed. They go to the tool shed every Sunday. They study bigger and better methods of agriculture. They sharpen the plow. They grease the tractor. Then they get up and go home. They come back Sunday night, they learn bigger and better methods of agriculture. They sharpen the plow, they sharpen the hoe, they grease the tractors, and they get up and go home. Then they get up on Wednesday night and they go back to the tool shed. 
and they learn bigger and better methods of agriculture. And they sharpen the tools and they sharpen the plow and they grease the tractor. And then they get up and they go home and they do this week in and week out. They do it year in and year out. And nobody ever leaves the tool shed to go out in the fields to gather the harvest. When's the last time you led your tool shed? You left it. When's the last time you said, I'm about tired of sitting in this tool shed, greasing this tractor. It's about time to see what he can do. When's the last time you said, God, I may not have a lot, but I'll take what I have and I'll use it and I'll, I'll let down the nets. Listen, every time Jesus told Simon Peter to go catch fish, he, he wanted him to catch fish. He used what he, knew he could do. He had nets. He had a fishing line. God's not asking you to do what you can't do. All of us could sit in here and give a million reasons why we couldn't do something. What God is saying is, I put gifts, talents, abilities in you. What are you doing with it? When's the last time you got out to tool shed and said, let's just see what this old plow can do? Pastor, what if I start a small group and nobody comes? Then you pray every week until God sends them. Pastor, what do I do if I do this outreach and nobody comes and you keep doing it? God will send them. I promise you, if you'll drop the nets where God says drop them, God will send the fish. How many want to drop some nets? I don't mean just one net. I mean every net you possibly can. Wow. Would you do that? I, I'm going to open this altar. Say, oh, man, he's at, got the altar going again. And here we go. Always to the altar. Well, you know, altar's a place where the flesh dies. There's just something about getting out of your seat and coming down and saying, well, here I am again, Lord. Some of you have heard more sermons in your life than you could ever repeat. Your tools are sharp. The tractor's greased. God's saying, hey, let's get that tractor and plow out there and let's see what we can do. How many would say, yeah, I think I could do that. Some capacity. I'm in, Lord. Even better. You know what, Jesus? Your birthday is in seven days. How about for your birthday, I'm going to get out of the tool shed. I'm going to take whatever I got, whatever it is, and I'm just going to lay it down and say, here's my nets. You tell me where to cast them. I'll do it. Wouldn't that be a great birthday gift for Jesus? Come on, this altar's open. I hope your life's been touched today.